Greetings from Long Island, where every highway is a sunrise. It's time for Dave's Gone By, an hour of comedy, talk, and music brought to you by Total Theater, with your host, Dave Lefkowitz. You've never heard anything like it, so sit back, relax, squeal if you must. Here's the host of Dave's Gone By, Dave! Tropical hot dog night! Like two flamingos in a fruit fight. Every color of day. Whirling around at night. Well, there goes the neighborhood. Welcome, everybody, to the 188th episode of Dave's Gone By. On this September 10th, there's one more hour in September 10th. Uh, 2006. This is a Lachaim to Life episode of Dave's Gone By, which is this balance of life and death, because I'm not trying to get all weird and goofy and metaphysical on you, because that's never really funny, but we have, first of all, we're we're kind of playing along with the amazing Lachaim to Life Chabad Telethon that's been on TV for about 25 years now. I see, we we have... um, computer monitors. We don't have TVs here, but the monitors are cool, and we can actually watch it, so I've got Elliot Gould prattling on to my left, and prattling on in front of me, or soon to be, it's going to be Jeff Goodman, who's co-hosting this, this special edition of Dave's Go. Oh, don't pout. I don't mean that. I prattle, God knows, as you, you point out to me every single week, I prattle on more than anyone. So, Jeff, how are you? I don't know. You told me to be quiet. I got, like, this hand. Like, I was actually going to talk, which I wasn't. Well, I was going to say, talk to the hand. Not to, you know... <laughs> well, that, that Are we on Ricky Lake now? <laughs> oh, is that where that comes from? Yeah, of course. Okay, well, let me... Hello, Jeff. Glad to have you here. I'm Hi, Dave. I'm sort of happy to be here. Even, you, even though I was told not to talk. Wait, did you say, Hi, Dave? Because it's a special, like, Chabad episode, huh? No. Huh? I didn't say. All right, that. don't be mad, Jeff. I'm just, I'm just trying to get a lot done because there's a lot to do. Are you trying to get a lot good done? Boom, boom. <laughs> Wait, or, or even, I even have the comedy bell for use later for the bad pun of the week. Okay, right, I can use it for that. We're so yeah. yeah. I wasn't gonna say anything. Well, you, you always think I'm gonna say something. Well, you lurch at the mic like you're, you're about to devour it, or, or, or oh, because it looks like an ice cream cone. Well. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you're already eating your kosher frosty, so so. And yes, with my cheeseburger. <laughs> well, we'll just pot your mic. <laughs> we just lost the entire Jewish audience right there. But tune back in, everybody, because the, the Chabad telethon. Oh, look! They found a rubber duck. Oh, Robert, well, he's actually funny. They actually found a funny comedian for once. Who is that? I don't know his name, but he, he's quite amusing. He's kind of got a wry sense of humor. What I'm talking about, folks, is the annual Chabad Lubavitch telethon. They started it 25 years ago to get people off of drugs. Um, it was founded by a guy named Rabbi Shlomo Kuhn, and you'll see him later if you're watching. Oh, wait, Jimmy Kimmel's on. I like Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, he does. He does all these things. They've got real people here, but they're interspersed with Hasidic Jewish pop performers. It's completely insane. And then that's one of the joys of it. So that now they've got Jimmy Kimmel, and in a moment they'll probably go to... Avril oh, he has the dancing rabbis. Oh, they, how can they, there they go. Oh, my goodness. They're dancing behind him. This is what it's famous for. See, it used to be a bit cooler because in the old, old, the first episode, the first telethon that they did, it Look was at Kimmel's face, though. He loves it. Of course he loves it. Well, Kimmel's Jewish. Or, or is his, girl, his girlfriend's Jewish, or he might not He's be. Jewish, too. So, no, they're both Jewish. There's a name like Kimmel? Now I like him even more. And they're dancing on his desk. Well, around it. They're, they're on his day. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Now there's a Yes. I have it seven seconds in front of you. That's uh-huh. right. Jeff sees things seven seconds because I'm on a delay button here. Cause and I'm a little psychic, so it's okay. But anyway, so that's what's going on in the telethon now. you got to love Jimmy Kimmel, though. Oh, well, Kimmel's cool. I mean, and, he, and his ratings are showing it. They're actually going... Oh, good, because I like him. I, when I went to California, I was in his audience. Oh, you, you said, oh, that was cool. Mm-hmm. It's a fun show to go to. Well, yeah, he. I mean, he's good. I like. Unless I'm in town, then don't go because I want to get in. And he's banging Sarah Silverman, so so he's he's doing all right for himself. So anyway, the Kabbalah Telethon is on now. It's going to be on until two o'clock in the morning, New York time, because it's coming out of California. So and if you're watching be, this on the web in California, oh my God, you can stay up all night. Pretty well, in California will be over by eleven. See, it's early. It's three hours earlier. Than I know. I, I, I missed the joke that it fly over my head. Anyway, let, let me let me get to a couple of things just just to set the scene for people. Um, Regis is on there. 
Oh, he was already on. He did a little... Yeah, they got real people around in California, and Jerry Weintraub is the producer. Now, Weintraub is, of course, the um, producer of movies like The Ocean's Eleven and Fourteen. Who is that? And a bunch of other... Who's who? Oh, Jimmy Kahn. Oh, he's not Jewish. He's not Jewish. I think he is, actually. Is he? Jim, Jimmy Kahn is Jewish. No, no, the black but, guy. But he's... No, 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 the, the guy from NYPD. He's Spanish. He's Jewish. While Jeff is commenting on who's Jerry doing Lewis, who's not, he's not. Is he, yeah, he's Jewish. Oh, Jerry Lewis is Jewish. So, hello. Ooh, dancing bottles on the head. Oh, that, oh my God, look at Jerry. He is bloated. Oh, oh, man, oh, oh it's so cool. The, to finish the story about the Kabbalah. I can't talk anymore. Well, I just want to get to because I have a guy on the phone who's been waiting for like okay, five minutes already. So, um, he's waiting five minutes already. Let him on. Um, and we will in a second. But just to set the scene... The initial Chabad telethon was madness, because they didn't really know what they were doing. They knew they wanted to raise money. They had some idea of how to do a telethon, but it was nuts. It was co-hosted by Jan Murray and Carol O'Connor, which was just, you know, there's a combination for you. And it was this back-and-forth thing that there were moments like when a couple would give this big donation, and they'd go up and, and to be thanked, and the woman would go to shake the rabbi's hand. And these Orthodox Jewish men would come out and they would pull her away and say, Oh my God, don't touch the rabbi! Because she was like unclean and trafer or whatever you want to call it. She, you know, had any blood flowing or whatever they do to women. And had a little estrogen in her. If she was estrogenated, you've got to keep it. So, so literally, these things aren't planned. Now, 25 years later, it's a lot smoother. It's a lot slicker. It's still cool, but in kind of a different way. But you still can't touch the rabbi. Still can't. Well, only, <laughs> only in the bathroom between scenes. But you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know who we have on the phone, Jeff Goodman? Michael Jackson. Um, Michael, is that you? No. Is no, my mic on? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Are you sure? This is this is a good friend of mine. He's never been on the radio show, but he has been to a couple. Because every year we have a Chabad telethon party at my house. Or, or most years, I should say. When we sit down, we watch the show, we have food, kosher food, we dance along with the rabbis, and we, we, we uh, torture each other with... with How come I was never invited to these? You were, actually, a no, couple of them. You never showed... Yeah, you, you couldn't make it. Oh, well. But anyway, but Piero was, and also Piero lives a lot closer to me. <laughs> so, Piero, how are you? Very good, thank you. How are you? Do you have a cold, You or are you just asleep? Piero, shalom. Shalom, Piero. Shalom. How you doing? Very good, very good, thanks. You're doing Tove? Uh, I'm sorry? He's not Jewish, Jeff. You oh. won't even know that. So have you been watching the telephone, P? Yes, of course. So what, what has been your favorite part so far? The dancing, of course. The dancing rabbis! And how much money have you donated? Uh-oh. So far, nothing. Ooh, well, they no, looking for a job, so this is not quite the time for... Can you call, I wonder if you can call and like, say, I'll give you a quarter. <laughs> how cheap are these Jews? Hey, how cheap are these? Let's <laughs> call. Let's, let's, let's see if they'll accept the quarter. You want to? I'm not going to do it. If you'll do that, yeah, you'll call them mm-hmm. and ask if they'll accept a quarter. I got a quarter here. I found a quarter. You want it? They'll probably hang up. They'll probably think it's an anti-Semitic prank. Actually, no. But if I mailed it in, the stamp would cost more. That's true. You're right. That's just, <laughs> you have to tape it to the envelope. Well, they can come and collect. You know, they <laughs> I used to do that. There, there were like magazine subscriptions you could get, and for the token donation of a quarter. And so I have to actually physically scotch tape the quarter to a piece of paper to mail that in. I remember that. I hope it made it. That'd be the question. You, you call them up and say, "I have a quarter, but I don't have the money for a stamp." <laughs> <laughs> so, Piero, so so you like the dancing rabbis? Who else did you see on the uh, the show so far? Um, I don't remember anyone famous. I've been like switching. So you've been paying lots of attention, huh? <laughs> well, I've, I've been like. Seeing on and off, you know, flipping channels back and forth, so... Did you see Jimmy Kimmel? No, I didn't. He was just on. He was just on, like, well, while, while P was on hold. So am I the only Jewish person you know, P? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Well, P is of actual... You're not... You weren't born in Colombia, but you were of Colombian extraction, is that... Yes, yes. And what kind of job are you looking for? We know a lot of people. Okay, great. Uh, well, I'm actually looking uh, for something uh, in... I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Say. He said a bad joke, that's all. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I do all the time. The man in the booth. Actually, uh, I was working uh, in the financial services. So. You were giving people money and they fired you? Well, not, not quite. No. Oh, actually, this, this does dovetail into the second oh. part of the show. Oh, wait, 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 I have a good idea for him. Yeah. 
what I would do is log on to the computer to mortgagesrock.com. Okay. And if you do that, they can teach you how to sell mortgages to people. That's cool. Mortgagesrock.com. Yeah. Did you know about that? No, I didn't. Mortgages oh, if you listen to my show, you would. You also know uh, that, um, well, if you were in the theater. But I, but I would go to mortgagesrock.com for, uh, for all your, your mortgages. Because that'll, they'll help you uh, sell mortgages to people and you can make some money. Make some commission. It's actually not a bad idea. And they're one of our sponsors. I don't really have all cool that. All my ideas aren't terrible. <laughs> And they're Jewish guys, too. But, Pete, before I let you go, why don't you tell us, because you were fairly specifically affected by 9-11. We, you were working where and when and what happened that day and then after that? Oh, uh, yeah, I was actually um, you know, a few blocks away on William Street. Pretty, pretty scary day, you know. Uh, they were actually filming a commercial in our building when each plane hit. Mm -hmm. The building shook, so I thought the camera fell. One of those big cameras you see yeah. on a TV set. So mm -hmm. you mean no one they, told you a plane flew into the towers? Well, eventually we, we did find out. Yes. Wow. When you first, I guess you have no windows in that office. It was windows was off at, the world. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually sitting on the east side of the building. So. Oh, okay. I see. Okay, so like you know. So how did you get I, home that day? What. You walked so you wait. You walked home to Long well, Island. Actually, well, well, I I, I did walk. Uh, I wanted to walk in uptown, across the 15th Street Bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, I took the E train to Jamaica on the Long Island Railroad, and it was lucky enough to grab a train home from that from there. So I mean, I didn't walk all the way home, but I had to walk out of Manhattan. Wow, and um. So, you, I guess, didn't go back to work for about two weeks. I mean, your building wasn't affected, per se, but how long were you, you know, or when did you end up going back to New York and back to downtown Manhattan? Uh, actually, well, we did, uh, we did go back to work. Uh, nobody worked in our office for the rest of the week, but we did have another office at the state in which we spent about a month going back and forth during the weekends. So we did go up to a different office out of state. Ultimately, how did the um, that business recoup? I mean, you're not with them anymore. No. So, so you don't really give a crap how they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of wish the, you know all the bosses were uh, killed by those planes, don't you? Hey. <laughs> well, it's a different set of bosses now. So. All right. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Pete, thank you. Thank you very, very much. My friend Piero calling in from... Wait, I want to know what his favorite oh, Chabad moment was, ever. Favorite Chabad moment? Uh, I, just the dancing part, that's all I remember. How about the parties at Dave's house? Were they rocking? Of course, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, he hasn't... After enough alcohol got consumed, there's really not that much to remember. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. How do you get drunk on kosher wine? That's what I want to know. You need a, well, it's sweet, so you can drink a lot of it, but you need a lot of it. You know, buckets of it. And I think they put something in derma that that, that triggers <laughs> the alcoholic instinct. All right, Carol, thank, thank you so much for calling in. No problem at all. Thank you. And, and I'll see you soon. And thanks thanks for being part of And don't forget yeah. to log on to mortgagesrock.com to find a job. Yeah. Thank okay. you, man. Have a good night. Write that down, mortgagesrock.com. Mortgages.com. Thank you. Okay, Not mortgages.com, mortgagesrock.com. Okay, bye, P. Shalom. Shalom. We will be back. We have another special guest in the studio with more of this special crazy and sad edition of Dave's Gone By right after this.
don't have satellite radio, you don't have an iPod or a hundred music channels on your cable. Doesn't matter. Live365.com has dozens of radio stations in all sorts of formats absolutely free. And one station, DFSX Radio, plays vintage episodes of Dave's Gone By every Saturday night at 11 Eastern Time. I've even put their link on davesgoneby.org. So just click to hear music and talk and me free on DFSX. What's playing on Broadway? I'll tell you what's playing on Broadway, and I'll do it by checking Performing Arts Insider. Off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway, off-off-off-Broadway. You keep adding offs, they'll keep adding listings. Who's in the cast? What's it about? Why is it special? Performing Arts Insider is Broadway the best way. 516-295-1511. 516-295-1511. Or see PerformingArtsInsider.com. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By on this September 10th, 2006. We're here chabotting our lives away as the telethon continues on our TV screens, but keep your radio on. So it was kind of cool hearing that David Bowie song and, and watching the rabbi oh, dancing. And it's, yeah. it's Uncle Leo from Seinfeld. Oh, there he is, see? You never know who's going to show up. What's, what's, what's Uncle Jerry! Leo? Jerry! <laughs> he always used to get mad at Jerry. Isn't he the guy who had the the pen that wrote in the in the space? What's he talking? He's making fun of dancing rabbis. Well, who wouldn't? He's trying to be funny, and I don't think he's really funny. Well, well, shut up, and Leo Julio. That's all I can say. <laughs> so anyway, it's we, that curse, Seinfeld curse. He can't even do a telephone. <laughs> <laughs> and no, the Seinfeld curse is broken. It's kind of like Boston winning the, the World Series with uh, what's her name winning the Emmy, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. She broke the Seinfeld curse. She has a semi-hit show. Did you ever see that show? It sucks. I just saw parts of it. I was like, <laughs> but it's no worse than most of what else is on TV. Anyway, we have a, a guest, and I'm so happy. Another veteran of the Dave 
party. The neighborhood. Yeah, no, well, actually, he was on the neighborhood once, and um, because back then, amazingly enough, he, his job he was talking about that he had at one point was airline security. Kind of interesting. Ooh. So, Jay Paul is back with us in the studio. He's also been at my house a couple of times for these wonderful Kabad parties. Jay Paul, how you doing, my man? Oh, I'm okay. How are you today, Dave? I'm, I'm doing great. How's it going? I mean, you know. Well, uh, uh, I just uh, I just got over here and uh, I'm looking for uh, some of the libations at uh, Mad Dog 2020, but I don't seem there. There's none of that around here. Well, I, I drank all the Kegam and Manischewitz before I even got They're here. They're kind of libationless. Yeah, I had to run a lot of shows here at the board, and, and after that, I just you know soused myself real good. Oh, uh, okay. So poor Dave's overworked. A little bit. And a little underpaid. Bit. Well, and certainly yes. underappreciated. And, and um, under, let's see, understaffed, under overwhelmed, under, oh, I, I don't know, under the rainbow. I, I give up. Anybody see that midget movie? See, you can say I'm off my game. I was so on my game last week, and here I have this big important show, and I'm just like out of it. Just too long a damn day. So where were you five years ago? Because you were helping. He was working airline security and going... Well, that was about 10 years ago, wasn't it? Well, that, right that, was, that, was, that was a while uh, before that, yeah. Oh, I, I was at work. Um, uh, uh, you're talking about uh, this anniversary? Yeah, yeah, well, you yeah were you're in the private, right? Something oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I was in the You were there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. yeah I, was, I was there. Well, what do you mean? What, on September or the And day what after? happened? Yeah. How'd you find out? There you were, sitting calmly at your desk. Oh, I, um... No, I just, uh, I think I was walking to work and... Uh, work where? I mean, what, what area of New York? Uh, on 43rd Street. Okay. And, and what did you say? Look, a plane. No, um, uh, uh, someone had gotten out of their car and said that a, uh, a commuter plane had hit uh, the World Trade Center. And then we went into work and uh, we saw it on the TV and then the other planes, so... They allow you to watch TV at work. This is a great job. <laughs> yeah. Well, this place. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I. We, we have TVs at work. Yeah. Cool. I don't. Okay. Yeah. So. We I'm, just have radio and a computer. <laughs> so what did you do at, at that point? I mean, I know there's certain things you don't want to talk about about your where you were working. But did, did, what did you? What time did you leave? After the first tower fell, did you run? No, no, no. I we we, uh, we worked into the night. I mean, we had to work into the night. Wow. Um, I, I think I left uh, uh, when the Long Island Railroad came back. Well, I, I think they were transporting people for quite a while until maybe about midnight or so that fir- first night. So, um, The Long Island Railroad was working? I have to say. Uh, later on at night it was. No, no. I, I, I was working that day at Woodside, at a, a theater website place that shall go nameless. Airplanes hit. We posted some news stories about it for for this theater website. And they said back to work. Theaters are well. No, they they were like okay, and we were all sort of watching. We had a TV in in the conference room at that point, and then I said, okay, I'm getting out of here. I'm, if I'm going to die today, I'm not going to die surrounded by these people in this place. I'm going <laughs> to go home. <laughs> I'm trying to die with with my wife and our brand new. We had just gotten a dog like four days earlier, so so, so you know, there's a real family thing calling me at that point. So I get out, I walk over to the train station, I'm, I'm taking the first train east, whatever it is. Waited, waited like 20 minutes, railroad train came, packed, dropped people off, got home. Got, I was home by like 1.30 in the afternoon, which I assumed I, I might not be home until 9 o'clock. And of course night. your job docked you for the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, they weren't that evil, and I didn't come in the next day either. I think a couple of other people did, which was more heroism than I wanted to pay. I mean, I'm like, the hell with it. The yeah, theaters we're, weren't open the night before. There was no news. Well, the news was that there was no news. Or right. maybe a couple of people posted stuff from home. But anyway, Jeff, so, so what I'm saying is the railroad was up and down. But they were certainly, they were trying. They were, they were out there. And anybody who says bad things about the railroad, I have to say, on that particular day, they were there for us, you know? Were they charging? No, I, I, I don't think they were. I mean, they were just getting people out of New York. Good for you. Good for them, then. I work at one of the papers in, in Manhattan, so we had quite a bit of work to deal mm-hmm. with. So, um, am, I, am I wrong that at one point you told me 
that you helped. You were down, you went to um, Ground Zero. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I was down there, I think, Thursday into Friday night. Yeah, so, yeah, I was down there. And September 11th was a Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. so two days yeah. later, so you were down there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, uh, yeah, interesting. And, we, uh, uh, can we have a little detail, please? Well, you, you know, it was, I always thought it was interesting that the subways in downtown just smelled, it smelled like fi- fire for like weeks. Oh, yeah, you, I mean, you could, yeah, downtown, definitely, you could smell it. And the subways, it's just... I, I, I think I could smell it. I remember riding my bike in November, and you could still smell it downtown. Yeah. Yeah. When you first came upon the scene, uh, I remember saying to myself, well, I don't have to see any end-of-the-world movies anymore, because... I saw it right there. It really was that. I mean, I I did not see Magnolia Le- Ground Zero until years later. Yeah. Oh, really? Amazing. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I was down there that week, and you it's were, just like, you? yeah. How how come you were there that week? Well, I I I went down there A to C. I I used to work right across the street, so hmm. I went to. I don't know. I just you I just felt, felt drawn to that. To yeah. And and went and cried and looked at all the everything around the church. Well, the, most of the roads were really blocked off. You, you had to really peek through buildings. There was no real way to... They built this ramp a couple of weeks later, that, that second floor yeah. ramp. But they, it was it was cordoned off quite a bit, but you, you got to go by the church that stood there. Right. And it was, it was amazing, all the letters and all the remembrances and people just putting stuff up and all the missing signs. That's what really got me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was absolutely horrendous. Yeah, well, the way the way I got down there at the time was just because I knew that the west side would be cordoned off, so I went east along the East River towards the Brooklyn Bridge, and then down from there. And the checkpoints were uh, at that point the National Guard hadn't come in yet, so the checkpoints were pretty minor. Oh, so you went in the back way? Yeah, so I went in through the back, through across Wall Street. And then mm-hmm. towards uh, towards the site, mm-hmm. uh, which was easier to get through. But then I think after that day, then they started cutting off because I knew that you know everyone was going to the Javits Center and no one was going to get down there if you went mm-hmm. in that way. So I just you know just went in another way. But um, what did uh, you physically do um, while you were know, like all the other? Guys what, just what? on the bucket brigade, whatever. You know, a zillion guys just one bucket, just two pa- buckets. They were passing, like buckets. passing buckets. Was, yeah, yeah. Just, it was unbelievable. And, what um, was the purpose of passing it? Just they were, well, they were, know, there was they debris were that you clearing were debris out by hand yeah. to look for survivors. Yeah, yeah. So and then just, they and then of course they found bodies. Did you see any bodies? Did you see any um, body no, parts? No, you knew at that point that everything was pulverized. I mean, I could kind of tell right away that there wasn't going to be much. Yeah. Wasn't going to be much left, uh, uh, so so yeah. Uh, you'd get a bunch of powder, and then you'd get a circuit board in mm. a bucket. So oh, you actually did see stuff. I, I, oh yeah, yeah. I had heard they found like like half a phone, and that was about the largest thing they they saw. No, I remember seeing um, yeah, yeah, pieces of circuit boards. Yeah, oh yeah. But definitely. you didn't see a desk or anything in, in its entirety. No, no. And that's, it's just so. amazing that it was that it was yeah. two hundred and ten story office buildings, and there wasn't a chair that was intact. There wasn't a desk that was intact. Oh. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think the most amazing thing to me was the the tower laying on its side. What was that? Seven World Trade Center, the one that fell that over. That last one. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like you'd be walking, and it would be you'd be eye level with like. The twenty-sixth story, because it was just like on really? the ground. Yeah, it was. I think it was on Ve- uh, Vesey Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that was World Trade Five. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know, but I that was the one that was the last thing to fall that day. Yeah, which exactly. a lot of people think it ha- was actually destroyed on purpose. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's a big conspiracy. Well, that's thing, the yeah. one that had the all detonated. the diesel fuel in it. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, I used to work down on Twenty One West Street, so I mean, I. Kind of was familiar with the area, and uh, I mean everything. Rector Street. I mean all those streets below all the houses and the because uh, I knew people who had lofts, and uh, I mean everything was damaged in there. You mm. know, just from the debris floating around. 
Uh, well, they, then, there was no window to be seen for, yeah. for blocks. Yeah. The buildings just had no windows in it. It was just amazing. And then they kept on shooting some laser up on um, the USS Steel building, the old, uh, was it, Liberty Plaza building. Because oh. they, they kept on thinking that the thing was going to fall. And I remember they kept, I think they yelled, like, for everyone to start running. So, yeah, like 500 guys running to run away from a 50-story a building that's going to fall. And I'm looking up and I'm saying, well... I doubt I'm going to be able to run that fast, mm. you know, because they were they were worried they were they were shooting this laser onto the facade to see if it was if it was wobbling moving, yeah. or not if it was moving. But then it turned out that it was moving just anyway, just in general. Right. But um, uh, but yeah, they were worried that that was going to fall. That's right. They were very. That was the Merrill Lynch building. Yeah, it was very, where Brooks Brothers down below, and you know, Brooks Brothers. You went into the store and. Yeah, everything was all... It was looted, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I thought it was supposed to bring out the best in people. Uh, well, it brought out the best and the worst. Well, you know, it was going to be smoke-damaged stuff anyway, so we had to get rid of it. <laughs> I'm so. sure the Arabs took it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the cool thing about 9-11 now. It's like, it's 24 hours, we actually can be un and hate the Arabs. The rest of the 364, we have to be a little nicer about it. But, but now, nah, you know, people were asking me, hey, do you want a pair of corduroys? Uh-oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they probably stank. They're probably just they're, but they're they're human free. remains. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but you were just down there two days, right? Well, you know, um, also the jewelry store on the corner. <laughs> well, they looted that. T- they looted a lot of stuff. Yeah, I don't know who. They, they're missing a lot, but... We're not supposed to talk about that. No, go ahead. I mean, let's tell the whole thing. Let's not just... No, <laughs> not everybody was a hero. I mean, I'm sure they were selling T-shirts two weeks later. Oh, yeah, they were. Which, I mean, there's nothing well, wrong with that. Well, it was weird, you know. I just thought it was kind of ghoulish. People were picking up souvenirs and things like that. Well, yeah. And, I mean, I just... Re- you know, there was no way. And then everyone was taking photographs. I mean, I understand. Well, sure. But it's absolutely. Like, and I'm glad uh, they were. And well, it was quite well documented. You don't need anyone else's. Document. I wish no. I wish there were more people documenting the planes and the way those were going. Or, or oh, there's a lot of that too. Have you? All we ever see is the the, the one in no, and out. No, you have to go through the web. I, for some reason, about a month ago, it was on the web. There are quite a few ghoulish things on the web. I mean, you could see there were photographs of people falling out the buildings or whether they jumped or not. Well, yeah, they describe are, yeah. all the photographs because there's a very famous photograph called the Falling Man. And oh, yeah. There's yeah. a couple ha- holding hands uh, that, was, and and it's a lot yeah. on the web, and they actually have a lot of videos that will go on. You know, there's there's a couple from Brooklyn, there's a couple from Staten Island, a couple from Jersey. Yeah. No, they but they have that, but not the planes coming. Yeah, they do more more than just oh yeah. Oh wow, they have. I think there's only one of the first plane. That was a, it was some sort some some crew was out with a work crew from somewhere, and and you see it flying downtown. They were a little bit uptown yeah. of it, and you actually see the first plane hit the building. But then you have a ton of the second plane. Ton well, I I remember when the, when the second plane hit, because we were watching CNN at work, and and when that second plane hit, the commentator said. They didn't realize at that point it was just another plane. They thought that there was an explosion in the first tower and it blew out through the second tower because I remember distinctly that they didn't. It happened so fast that they didn't. Oh no! I yeah. I I actually I was watching CBS at that point because mm-hmm. I don't have cable and that was the only television uh, station that was programming. And they showed you that you could hear the roar of that plane. It depends where the crew was. Yeah. If they were north of the towers, you couldn't hear it. Right. Okay. But if you were south of the towers, and, and believe me, I've seen enough on the web, where you hear the roar of that plane, and you just, it, it's like, what's that? What's that? And then, then all of a sudden you see it, and people are going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Boom. Unbelievable. It's, it's really, it, it's just something that gives you pause. And, and what did you have on your face? What, or what did you, you know, did you take any kinds of precautions? Did anybody really even think they would need? Well, the EPA said that the air was fine. Oh, no, but you were there two days later. That's that, not what Christy Whitman said yeah. today. No, I'm, uh, um, I know that you, look, yeah. the, the fact of the matter is, is that 
the uh, yeah, they gave you face masks, but all the macho guys weren't wearing their face masks. And, and you, were but, you a macho guy, or were you wearing a face mask? No, I wasn't wearing a face There's mask. There's no point? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was no point also, because you just kind of knew you were breathing in anyway. You really would have needed respirators, and they obviously didn't have enough respirators there. I mean, you would have needed to wear a respirator the entire time. And at that point, I don't think that they brought respirators down. They handed you, like, uh, like paint. Whatever shoes. they could. Yeah. I mean, did, yeah. did, you ha- did you get that cough? Well, was there two days. I mean, yeah. did, you didn't go back the following week or anything. Nah. Mm. No, but they, a lot of people, they said a lot of people just down there for one day had a cough. They, I, I was wondering. Maybe that's Yeah, but they might, have had, they might have had respiratory problems to begin with. Yeah. You know, you don't know what, what they had. I mean, they're saying before. people are dying or, or really sick five years after 9-11. Yeah, well, yeah. there's a certain percentage of people who I get know, cancer but that's, but in five years mm. from when they were healthy five years well, earlier. Well, th- that's... Uh, that's the big thing that's under contention look, now is, look, that, yeah. is that, you know, Christy Whitman's coming out and saying, well, because I watched the 60 Minutes tonight to see what she was going to say. And she said, well, we told them it wasn't, we, we thought it was okay, but they should use precaution. And we really weren't talking about the Trade Center site. We were talking about the air in Manhattan. And she kind of sidetracked well, a lot. Well, I think well, they were the, talking about apartments nearby and workspaces nearby. They weren't talking about the center of ground zero. Right. But I think she's still wrong. Well, of course. I mean, look, let's let's face the fact that at that moment, uh, I suppose they made some kind of decision where they were saying, well, what's my choice? Do we evacuate two million people from the island of Manhattan and how do we do it mm-hmm. when you can't get anyone out? Or do you say, well, the air's okay. And I suppose they made like it was like the lesser of two evils. Well, they should have. They, they like actually that. should have said, "Look, if you want to leave, you can leave. The air quality yeah, is okay, but yeah. we suggest that you wear some yeah. sort of." A mask. I mean, anyone who I mean, you, you didn't have to be an idiot to figure out that, you know, the air was bad. Well, New Yorkers are used to breathing in incinerator soot. Yeah, I mean, you see guys jogging down Fifth Avenue breathing in a yeah. pack of cigarettes. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. You know, but but yeah, I mean, I. I, the logistics of getting everyone out of New York, you just couldn't do it. So, what are they going to do? Say, like, well, everyone should wear gas masks for but the next... The, but the government shouldn't really lie to people. No, they, they the should The government shouldn't lie? Said, That's a new one. Okay. As you said, they should have just said, look, this is the story. You can't get out. Because, yeah, because, you know, it's like New Orleans. I mean, although they had the chance to get these people out, but, but like that, a lot of people didn't have cars. Where are they going right, to go? Right. You know, and a lot of people had to stay in New York. Right. But they could have said, stay inside, run an air conditioner, because that will filter it out. Mm-hmm. Stay in the buildings as much as you can. But instead, they came out and they said the air is fine. No, I know. But I think everyone probably, uh, you know, unless you're... I mean, did you believe him at the time that the air was fine? Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, you have to understand, I was... Um, my friend's mother was in Tower 2, the South Tower. And she has an interesting story because she, the, she ran out after the plane hit the first. She ran downstairs, and then they they announced that she that everything was fine. She should go back to work to go upstairs, and she said, "Hell no, I'm just going home to New Jersey." And she was on the next path train out of there. She was gone before the second the second plane hit. But I always tell people, you know, I'm the one person. If I were in there, I would probably be dead because I would listen to the authority. Well, of course, they say, oh, it's okay, go say, back in. Yeah. Okay, go back to work. Yeah. All right, you know, if that's where I'm safest, then why would they? T- why do they lie to me? And and even though I know people lie, I just constantly believe them. I don't know why. Well, the authorities weren't. They had no idea there was another plane coming into the building. No, no, no. But I'm I'm talking about the air. The air yeah, yeah. If they said, you know, if they handed me a gas mask, I would have worn the, the mask, whatever it was, and figured that that's safe. Could why, why would they endanger me? They've already lost all these people, right. you know, and they have their firemen working and stuff like that. It's somewhat similar to the Chernobyl accident where yes. you had a number of Russian workers who went in. It's and who fine, then go died. ahead, yeah. Well, I mean, I think they all, I think at that point, you know, they, the, the heroism was there because they all knew that they would die of radiation poisoning, but they went in to save. Do you think so? Yeah, I, I think that most of them must have known that, mm. uh, that they would... See, that they heroic, I'm not. 
that, that they would get radiation. Uh, they would die of radiation sickness. Who would, who would on earth would, would do that? Well, I guess they Who would. goes into a burning building? Yeah. Who walks into a, a, a drug sting well, operation? I think these people also probably that was part of the job to do. That. Oh yeah, I mean that was their job. Okay, so yeah. if someone were paying yeah. you forty thousand dollars a year in benefits, then you would do it. Listen, if you're if you're paid to do a job, you do your job. There's jobs and there's jobs. You know? I, yes, but you don't take a job. I wouldn't take a job yeah, like well, that. Okay, you know what I mean. Yeah. If I, if you told me, look, this is the deal is this: if we have problem A, B, or C, you you get a hundred thousand dollars a year. For doing absolutely nothing, but if we're attacked, you're the first one to go. Hmm. Would you take the job? I say, uh-uh. If no, I were seventy something, <laughs> so these people made a choice that that's the job they're willing to take, and that's what they did. Which is which is one of the reasons why I don't believe the firemen were. That I think they did heroic things, but I don't think they were heroes because they were doing their job. The heroes were the volunteers who came down. The heroes, I think, were the people. You remember they, they were asking for paper towels and towels and napkins. All the people who went through their house and gave everything they could to help with the effort. Those people were hero did heroic. Well, effort. but that's not really brave. I mean, it turned out to be brave because of the air quality. No, but it's that's not, not to, to be heroic. You don't have to be brave. You have to do something heroic, which is, which is something that, that people do above and beyond what they normally would have to do, what they didn't yeah. have to do. Just going and doing a job is not heroic. I don't know. Donating ten rolls of paper towels is not quite as heroic, even as, as no, walking but, up uh, but know, burning buildings. You didn't have to do that, but I think a lot of people gave of themselves. Well, yes. I know my stepbrother, he, he came out and he was, uh, you know, some, he became some big mucky muck in the Red Cross. He was down there for like two weeks, and and I'm quite proud of that because he was he I think he was coordinating something at the, probably at the Javits Center. I don't right. I think he he had been down to the site a couple of times. But that's about it. But um, I I'm sorry I'm not big on the firemen and the policemen. Who, well, I mean, they, they had they, not, had, had they even thing. thought the building would fall, they would not have been there. Well, no, and, they shouldn't have been. Uh, yeah. I understand that, and that's okay. I feel terrible for the people who died. Yeah. But I also believe that after, you know, I I was watching again on CBS, they, they had this film 9-11, which gave me a new new feeling about it. And, and don't get me wrong, I feel that, I feel for them, and I have a lot of empathy for their feelings. And it was very interesting, because I felt a little bit more about them. However, I didn't feel, still, they're still doing their jobs, and they're still putting in for their overtime. And a lot of those people put in tremendous hours of overtime and then retired the next year on the salary they made. From yeah, and now they're coughing. Um, but that's part of the job. Yeah. Anyway, I've got to do part of my job now, which is do a couple of commercials. We're not going to do the news gone by tonight because we're you know, just too good talking about this stuff. But I also want to read some of the responses that we got when we asked. And I'll the, tell you where I was. Uh, yeah. After the commercial, I'll tell you where I am. Okay. Let's do a commercial. More Jeff, more J. Paul, more me on Dave's Gong. Bye-bye. 180 plus. That's how many episodes we've done so far of Dave's Gone By. And nearly every one is preserved lovingly, almost sexually, on Compact Disc. So you can buy as many episodes as you like. CDs are $11 a piece, including shipping and handling. See davesgoneby.org for the show's whole history and how to pick and choose the episodes for you. Great radio like Dave's Gone By doesn't grow on trees, but it does get saved on CDs. You don't have to pay big bucks on Broadway to enjoy a funny play. You could sit in the comfort of your living room, or bedroom, and read a whole book of hilarious comedies by the one and only me, Dave Lefkowitz, Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World, filled with my unique satire and spoofery. If you like my show, you love my book. $20 hardcover, $12 soft. Buy it at davesgoneby.org. Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World. Says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, you rock! You know what else rocks? Mortgages rock! Yeah, because MortgagesRock.com gives you the chance to help your friends get the loans they need. College loans, home improvement, new trailer, MortgagesRock.com helps you help them. And the more work you do, the more commission you get! 
full service, fully licensed, MortgagesRock.com has real experts on the phone, at the website, in the office, making you a bigger, better broker. MortgagesRock.com, where making money never sounded so good. Rock on, mortgages. Print it, copy it, send it as a gift. All that and more at Hewlett Minuteman Press, your full-service printer. Family-owned and operated since 1975. Photocopying, printing, wedding invitations, and great gifts. Minuteman, 1315 Broadway in Hewlett. Call 516-569-5577. 569-5577. On the web at HewlettMinutemanPress.com. Mention Dave's Gone By and get 10% off. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By. On this September 10th, 2006, we are 12 minutes away from um, the 5th anniversary of September 11th, although the actual event didn't happen until about 10 to 8 in the morning. 10 to 9. Uh, excuse me, 10 to 9. Thank you, Jeff Goodman, uh, co-hosting this episode, and also in the studio with us, Jay Paul, who was, was telling his experiences. Now, Jeff, you were going to tell us your Quickly oh, right. where I was? Yeah. My, my, my story is very quick. By this time, I had started my business. So I was home, and I, I, I used to be known for my sleeping in. So I was actually asleep when all this happened. And one of my friends kept calling and calling my house. You know, and the phone wasn't waking me up. But I was kind of up, kind of not. But I let the, the message, the machine pick up. And he didn't want to say anything on the machine, so he just kept calling and calling. And finally, he goes, Jeff, Jeff, wake up. We're under attack. And it, which is, I mean, just, he went crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, why, why, what? Yeah, I'm like asleep. <laughs> Meanwhile, let me sleep. What are you, what's the difference? So I, if I die in my sleep, I just don't wake up. That's all. <laughs> but is that, he woke me up. That's, and I turned on the TV and got static because I'm the last person on Long Island not to, to have cable or anything. I just have this thing called an antenna on my roof. So all the stations were actually down except for Channel 2, which always broadcast from the, from the yeah. Empire State Building. And I said, no, no, it's still... Because by, by that time, the first tower fell. And the second tower was up. I said, no, no, it's, it's still standing. It's still standing. And, and then I, I, I love the fact, because I then called my father to tell him what was going on. Of course, I'm not thinking that it was nationwide news. And he goes, I, I know. And then I'm sitting there talking to my stepmother, who doesn't particularly like me anyway. And as as I was talking to her, the second tower fell. So a complete line of curses just came out of my mouth. <laughs> and I'm not a person who curses. So I basically did, cursed did, well, my well, stepmother. Curses start holy something. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. It was like you know, it was, it was holy Allah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, 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 I just couldn't believe it because, like I said, just uh, you know, a couple of years before that, if not just a year before that, I was working right across the street. I would go take the train. I would take the E train right through. I'd walk underneath the World Trade Center every day to work where, at what is now called the Deutsche Bank Building, right. which is currently yeah. a, a, a point of. Okay. Um, I was lucky enough, as I said, I was working in Woodside at the time, and it was just about my time to get to work. So I was walking to the usual Spanish bodega where I'd load up on a little you know, light sweet cup of coffee and a, a roll or bagel or something. And they had a TV on in there because everybody's got TVs everywhere. And there was one plane at that point. And then like they're watching and they're pointing at the TV and I'm like, Oh, oh, wow, okay, cool, you know, there's some accident, you know, that, that's, that's yeah, pretty well, bad. Well, like I walk over said, it was, everyone thought it was a small commuter plane. Yeah, I was like, oh, you know, how could, that was stupid, I mean, why did they do that? That's a stupid place to, to go. I get to the office, and then within five minutes after I'm there, boom, and, you know, things start getting chaotic. But I'm, I'm so glad oh, we wait, all shared I our experiences, but... I've got a bunch of other experiences to read oh, yeah, yeah. In, in, in the time that we've got remaining in this day by from, from folks who are kind enough to respond. Um, Joe Salzone, who was on this station for about three or four years, said, uh, I was in my 11th grade English class when a student asked what I... in 11th grade? At that point, yeah. Yeah, he was a kid. Oh. He's still a kid. He's 22 years old now. Oh, that's right. A uh, student asked what I knew about a plane smashing into the World Trade Center. I thought he was describing a movie. It wasn't. It was all too real. I remember walking the halls of the school that afternoon, struck by everyone's reaction. People who wouldn't be caught dead watching the news knew what happened, and the look on everyone's face was the same. Terror. 
Our school was under lockdown. Nobody could get in or out. And it wasn't until I got home around 2.30 that I knew the extent of the damage. By then, the Twin Towers were no more. In its ruins were piles of rubble and an unknown amount of dead. I'm still haunted by images of people running with no place to go. They wanted to get out of lower Manhattan, far away from the chaos of that terrible day. I love that line that Joe came up with, images of people running with no place to go. Mary Shen Barnage, a, a critic friend of mine from, from Chicago, said, here's my recollection of that day. I live in Chicago now, but I spent my childhood in the biggest strategic air command facility in the United States, where my father worked as a meteorologist. During those Cold War years, we were the most likely target to be bombed by the Russians. So sudden security alerts with nobody allowed on or off base until all clear were commonplace. So this probably shaped my first response on that September 11th. On that morning, I was awakened by the telephone, and it was my friend Charles yelping, Mary, turn on your television, they bombed New York. The planes flew right into a building. The planes from where? I asked, trying to remember if we'd been having any troubles with Canada or Mexico. Any other country too far away to launch an air attack on the United States? Where did they get all that fuel? No, no, they were commercial planes, he shouted. Still groggy, I protested. Commercial airplanes aren't equipped to drop bombs. Look at the news. Go see for yourself, he snapped and hung up. No going back to sleep. I stumbled over to the TV, discovered all the channels covering an event that took me a while to realize chronologically as having already occurred earlier. took me even longer to accept as a factual event the now familiar film footage of the aircraft silhouetted against the tower. Now, there was an actual image, not just something created at industrial light and magic. I remember the photograph of, a, of an atomic bomb detonation in the desert as a test in the late 1950s. My mother displayed it proudly as evidence of my father's participation in the project until civilian acquaintances advised her to remove it and waited to hear what would happen next. also got... Um, a letter from a call Jeffers, another theater critic friend of mine. And she said, I was in the Borders bookstore in Mount Kisco about 9.30 in the morning, and I just missed seeing it on the morning news. Only a few people in the store, they all seemed dazed or crying. When I asked what's wrong, nobody could give me a clear answer, just that something awful had happened. A plane had crashed into the World Trade Center. It was very bad. I bought some stuff, had coffee, tried to comfort whoever I could, and left having no idea of what really had happened, so I did some more chores, started from my house, and when I turned on my car radio for more details, the reports were pouring in on every channel, and like the rest of the country, I finally got it. I found myself speeding home, nearly blinded with tears and furious. I wanted to kill the bastards who had done this to us. In the days and weeks ahead, I got angry a lot. I was particularly enraged by the idiots I knew, pointing out the names and faces of those fleeing versus those going into the buildings and dying for their efforts. So many Irish names among the lost firefighters and policemen. And can we ever forget the firemen rushing up the stairs to help while everyone else hurried down to safety? Was he a fool, not a hero? I refused to spend another moment of my life listening to people ignorant enough to say, if you're blue-collar, if you're not one of us, if you're doing your job, even when it costs you your life, you're a jerk and you really don't matter. Actually, I don't know what McCall's really talking about on this because I don't think anybody called them jerks. But uh, she says she'll never hear certain phrases like 9-11 or Twin Towers without feeling that day deep in her gut. I'll always be proud to be an American, she says. And I hope that if the test were put to me, I'd be one of the people doing what I could to help others. And I've got one, one really quite amazing story from, again, a theater critic... What, what, oh, sorry. oh, what was that, Jeff? I said, please go ahead, I'm dying to, and then I realized you turned Cut off, off the my microphone. Well, well, yeah. Also, we've got the, uh, oh my God, there's a rabbi levitating on, on, on the telethon. No, that's not a, is that Bruce Adler That's Bruce again? Adler doing Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, you missed him doing the usual, like, uh, the Catskill thing. He did that in the first hour, so you know, Jeff, he does that every single bloody year. Anyway, um, Rosalind Friedman uh, wrote in, she's a critic from Connecticut, and she was actually on our Tony show the last year or two. On that fateful day, my husband and I were returning from a lovely two-week trip to Paris and Nice. We left London, our connecting flight, at 12 noon on an American Airlines plane bound for Kennedy Airport. Halfway, Art, my husband, noticed something weird on the computer on the screen in front of our seat. The plane was flying in the wrong direction. 
Almost immediately, after he noticed the attendants, who were grouped together in the rear of the plane, the captain calmly announced that all the power was out on the East Coast and we would be landing in a military base, Gondor. Minutes later... Where's the Gondor? I... Oh, really? Where'd you say, In Jeff? Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Um, minutes later, that was changed to St. John in Newfoundland. I wish they had then, like I had taken 7th grade geography in Cedarhurst Number 5 school more seriously. Of course, the passengers were deeply concerned. Cell phones didn't work. Trying to reach the people waiting for us in New York was impossible. First and business class curtains were opened, and we all tried to keep our hearts and heads and spirits in a positive place. That's amazing. They didn't tell them exactly what happened. No, well, no, I don't think they knew exactly what happened. But listen yeah. to that. suddenly we landed, and as soon as the wheels touched down, the captain told us the real story, and he added that he had lost some best friends on the plane that had crashed. <sighs> it was the only time his voice cracked. As I heard the news that the World Trade Center had been attacked and that thousands of people had been killed and injured, I experienced anger, fear, and grief. I felt that my life, and more importantly, the lives of my children and grandchildren, would never be the same. We had spent the past year welcoming our twin granddaughters into this world, walking with them on the Upper West Side, enjoying the bucolic city parks. That peaceful existence was now shattered. Two weeks before, we had host, co-hosted a cousin's engagement party at Windows on the World. Wow. We couldn't help but wonder about the waiters and the staff who helped us on that beautiful evening. Looking out from our plane in the bright sun, we saw huge jumbo jets parked every which way in every conceivable space. In all, there were 27 jets holding over 4,000 passengers, and we were all forced to stay on these planes for 14 hours with little or no food. And this is before they stopped taking all the damn food off the planes because of economics. Passengers shared what they had with others. And now, of course, passengers will not have... I'm, I'm interjecting. They won't even have food to share with others because they can't, can't take food anymore. No, uh, you can take food. You can't just take liquid. Really? So, so you could put an explosive in a sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> Pas- um, Rosalind Friedman continues, Our seatmates ahead of us, whom, whom we did not know, were generous with the chocolates they were bringing home from France for their family. Um... We were finally able to make contact with our children in New York City and Washington, D.C., and we breathed a sigh of relief to find out that they were safe. However, at one point, when the captain had to leave our plane for a conference with others, it was terribly scary. Finally, at 4 a.m., we departed. No luggage was permitted. We carried only our purses, any meds we had, a pillow and blanket. As we stepped out, we were surrounded by soldiers and camouflage, holding machine guns at the ready, and in that moment... I was suffused with shame and disappointment. I identify with all those immigrants who had to leave their countries because of war and flee to ours. Now we were the ones who could not go home. We were put on buses and rode to the center of town to the new three-month-old hockey arena. The citizens of St. John, with the help of the Salvation Army and the Red Cross, greeted us with sandwiches, apples, drinks, baby food, even warm clothes. As we waited for housing assignments, we watched in horror as the towers burned and fell over and over again on the giant TV. And our little group stuck together as we spent the next five days at the Quality Inn Motel. Three, yeah, five days? Five days. Trying to make, they weren't letting people back in America. Right, right. Also, the first thing we did was run to Walmart. Yes, we were the plain people, bereft of all clothing, so we had to outfit ourselves from the socks up. And held up by a hurricane, our return to America was very much like our entrance. Late at night, the buses picked us up and brought us back to the tiny airport. We picked out our luggage, stacked on the tarmac, boarded the plane, flew home. Our eldest son, Roger, met us. We kissed him and the ground. It was a day or two before Rosh Hashanah, so our prayers of gratitude that year were especially fervent. And yet, I never stopped crying every time this event is mentioned. Several days before, we had left on our summer vacation to France, and I bumped into an acquaintance I'd not seen in a long while. She told me that her newly married son, of whom I was especially fond, was working for a great company in the World Trade Center. Oh, no. All they ever found of him was his leg. I don't know what the answer is to terrorism. All I know is that we will never be the same. I have one more. What, is, what a wonderful, wonderful story. I really, really appreciate yeah, that, that. That's Rosalind Friedman. Thank, thank you. From from, from, deep from my heart, Rosalind. Thank you for sharing that. And you know what? I'll make time for a little bit of one more. I know where I, I, I warned the gospel people last week we would go a couple of minutes over time because it is now 12.02 a.m. into September 11th, five years after uh, 
the event. Um, let me see if I can just summarize Marie's thing. Um, it wasn't at all like Pearl Harbor, when, which, which Marie calls when she was a child. The president communicated with us citizens immediately by radio. Mm-hmm. I wonder where George Bush was and why he didn't use... A radio or some other classroom reading to like second graders or something. Well, no, and then they put him in that plane flying all over the place. (laughs) Then we heard (laughs) Vice President Cheney had been whisked away to his bunker. Was he able to communicate with Bush and vice versa? Who was communicating with Congress? Why were our elected officials not on any media talking to us? We spent most of the day getting Giuliani could. Well, yeah, well, yeah, Giuliani took that walk. Since then, whenever I hear that George Bush was strong in his response to 9-11, I keep wondering if my family and I were the only ones who didn't wait so long to hear his message. I've heard the Secret Service was responsible for flying him around so he would be safe. Who was responsible for not having any media with him to communicate with us? So whenever I pass um, airports in Venice, or so they're out in Florida, mm-hmm. um, these folks are, where the Muslim killers trained, I'm ashamed to think of the big 9-11. Okay, we've got to get out of here since the dead goes yeah, out well, that, that was I actually think that was fascinating. I, I think we should thank everyone who, I, who I shared. I thank so much. It was, I thank wonderful. Jay Paul for coming in for, with, his, with his memories. Thank you, Jeff Goodman. Thank you to our sponsors, MortgagesRock.com, Hewlett Minuteman Press, uh, the copy kings of Broadway in Hewlett. Jeff, also you do a little plug for... Uh, Fancy Schmancy Balloons. What's the number there? 516-797-3229. Say it one more time. Five one six seven nine seven three two two nine. Okay, well, we'll also plug uh, the folks from Indecent Exposure Radio. They were on our um, our show here. They're on Saturday night, Saturdays, from six from midnight until six a.m. Excuse me, on WVOX fourteen sixty a.m. in New Rochelle. You can hear their show streaming on WVOX.com. Listen to Vic Fusco Swing City Sunday nights at nine on this station, WGBB. Listen to Joyce Keller, Radio Psychic, Wednesdays at eleven. Don't forget to catch a vintage Dave's Gone By Saturday nights at eleven on DFSX Radio, which you can click to very easily from my own website, Dave's Gone By dot org. Aren't we forgetting a magazine? Oh, did I forget Performing Arts Insider Theater magazine? Thank you. PerformingArtsInsider.com to find out all about this wonderful journal and and theater publication. Uh, I want to remind folks also, or tell folks, that this Tuesday morning from 11 until 1 in the afternoon, I'll be doing a two-hour stint at WUSB in Stony Brook. I'll be filling in for uh, another host there, doing a lot of political and fun and goofy talk for two hours. That's uh, this Tuesday from 11 until 1, and you can listen at WUSB.FM if you can't get it on your regular radio. And, and I just want to wish everyone who a heartfelt, uh, a, a really healing September 11th to everyone. Well, everyone except the Arab world. <laughs> no, e- even, even the Arab world. I, I just hope everyone's heart over there heals, and we, we never have anything like that again, because I must tell you, that, that had a tremendous impact on me. And I hope everyone who's who lost people, friends, or just acquaintances, that they think about all those people who passed away that day, who we lost, uh, it both here and in Washington D.C. and and in the plains. Yeah, I mean the only times I was really affected, affected aside from anger, but I'm talking like affected by it. The two times, one is the reading of the names, when it just it's the oh, litany yeah. of the names, and the names go on, and I'm going to be doing that, yeah, or yeah. you know, and then the other was when I, years later, when I finally got downtown, and maybe you can tell me this, if this was just a, a nature accident, or someone built this, but that cross that they had. Oh, no, that was that actually was caused when, it, that was what was left from the building. Yeah, I mean, to see that there, yeah. it looks like a cross in a graveyard. Yeah. It, it, just, it just blew, yeah, blew I'm Jewish. I think that could be part of the memorial, too. Hopefully they build that soon. Yeah, well, and, yeah, we'll um, see. But but really, from the bottom of my heart, this is a day that that really really affected me, even though I had to be woken up. But um, it, it it just it was such a sad day. I'll share my experiences with you another time on that because there are a couple things that I'd like to tell you and the listeners. But, but well, there's really, always going to be a goddamn anniversary of it. That's for sure. Yeah. Well. Well, let let's just hope we all heal a little bit more and that we all find in our hearts to have a little more understanding to, towards our fellow 
human being because remember absolutely no one who who perished that day had anything to do with international politics except for maybe the hijackers hmm. uh, and, and you know yeah I mean innocent, innocent but, innocent. but yeah. I, I just really hope that September September 11 2006 is healing for everyone who's out there you know I can't even I, I, I'm not going to disagree because you're right mm-hmm. you know, so so let's all Heal. I mean, we can have the anger against the the right people to be angry against, but let's also move forward. Mm-hmm. What else? Can, what else can you do? Anyway, we'll move forward to next week, September seventeenth, for the one hundred and eighty ninth edition of Dave's Gone By. Until then, you know. And also, unfortunately, I was hoping for the rabbis to dance again on the telephone. Completely forgot about the thing. They're just interviewing people. But the telephone is going to be on until about two o'clock in the morning, folks. Give it a look. I think it's on channel fifty five on your cable systems. Or it's, it streams wonderfully on the internet if you just look for Chabad in California. So a lot, so we'll do a little dance. Do a quick dance. Come on, a little time to life dance. And, and they raised $4,000 so far. $4 million. $4 million on the telephone. This is Dave Lefkowitz. Goodbye once more to the policemen, firemen, lawyers, secretaries, janitors, salesmen, brokers, and every single innocent person dying then and dying now because of what the Arabs did on September 11th. Good night. Good luck and gone by. When our hearts lie panting on the floor To life, to life, L'chaim To title my daughter Something to drink about Drink L'chaim To life, to life,